It is Bronze and Modern Gods bonus episode time. I'm John. That man there is Tinkerballs along with Richard. <laughs> hi, hi, John. How are you doing today? Good. Enough of you. Hi, Tinkerballs. How are you? <laughs> hey, if you are a big fan of Tinkerballs, make sure you're following us on Bronze and Modern Gods on Instagram and Facebook. If you like seeing Tinkerballs on video, hit the like button. If you like seeing Richard on video, subscribe. If you like seeing me, hey, hit the notification bell. We'll let you know when you can see any of our three respective mugs. And today we have your questions, your comments, viewer mail, the comic NFT report. Unfortunately, if you are here for the Instagram market watch, no market watch with Ali this week because he is having a blast at New York Comic Con as he should. And if you're there, he has a booth, so go say hi to Ali and Bill from Elite underscore Comics 11. And now, Richard, I think it's time for viewer mail. You've got mail. Our first piece of viewer mail is yours. And what is it? <laughs> you actually picked this one for me. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, how do you tell the difference between the Miles covers? I think he's referring to the Ultimate Fallout 4, uh, the, the first print, and the facsimile edition. Uh, you did mention it and blurred your uh, sentence together, which made it ambiguous. Is there a definitive way to tell? I apologize. Oh, I don't think I'm going to send this again. Anyway, we're very. <laughs> it's actually, if you know what you're looking for, it's actually fairly easy. Uh, there is a Marvel logo uh, near the top of the cover. On the original comic, there is no background to the to that logo. It's just white text. On the facsimile, it has a red background. Also, the uh, barcode on the facsimile is much thinner than the barcode on the, um, the first print. You can tell the difference between the barcodes. The barcodes on the facsimile is much thinner than the barcode on the first print. And the big giveaway is that red Marvel logo. If it's red, you're dead. Right. And you can also tell if you, open the, if you have an opportunity to open the, open the book up, the indicia on the first page will say that it's a facsimile edition. Yeah. And it doesn't come poly back. That's yeah, no, no, that's true. So uh, yeah, there you go. We'll try to speak more clearly. All right. Our next uh, viewer mail. Again, no. <laughs> Our next piece of viewer mail is from Clifton Chu, who writes us on Facebook. Uh, hi, love the show. Thank you. I wanted to get your thoughts on the value of UK Pence price variants versus the U.S. sense of the same comic. From what I've read, there's a huge divide and debate in the value, even though they are not reprints, they are not, and are technically more rare. They are. If Canadian price variants are considered more valuable, why not the U.K. pence variants also? P.S. Give Tinkerball some pets for me. Well, let's handle <laughs> that, uh, okay. that first. Oh, look at that face, that little punum. All right. Canadian price variants, UK Pence variants. You're right. They're not reprints. They are, they are slash were printed at the same time as the U.S. counterparts. All that was done was a simple black plate change. If you are into printing, you know exactly what that means. They take the black plate that has the price off, they slap a new one on, and they continue the print run. Why are UK Pence variants so undervalued? We've discussed this before in a prior mm -hmm. episode. The answer is we don't know. We're with you. We agree. If Canadian price variant of Secret Wars number eight is so friggin' desirable, why isn't the UK price variant of, say, I don't know, Spider-Man number one just as desirable? I don't know. It, the market is a fickle beast. 
It is. Uh, I think Canadians get a, I, I think the fact that it has a dollar sign on it and can be very easily construed as a, a U.S. print kind of blurs the line between the difference. And people look at the print run and say, well, gee, the, the dollar Canadian is much has a much smaller print run than the 75 cent uh, U.S., for example. And um, but, yeah, I really don't know why the Pence version doesn't get any love. But then you can expand that to why doesn't the. The you know the Brazilian ver, uh, ver, uh, version or the the Mexican version have the same kind of love because they they most definitely have smaller print runs. Uh, I, I really think it boils down to a bias to the bulk of the collectors who are American, uh, and they favor that dollar sign. I would say maybe even the UK buyers would want the American sense version. Yeah, that that may be what it is. It could be as simple as that. It is frustrating though because. You see people chasing one thing when this other thing is just as valid and no one's chasing it. Mm -hmm. But you got to remember, just because it's rare doesn't mean it's it's valuable. And it's it really falls down to the market and what the market determines has value. Quite true. What's your next piece of viewer mail, Richard? Why don't you have Tinkerballs read this next one? <laughs> okay. okay, Tinkerballs, read this one. Uh, this one is from Dope Comics. Um, would you guys rather have a CGC 7.5 blue label ASM 31, first appearance of one Stacy, or a CGC 9.8 blue label first print Edge of Spider-Verse number two, which is the first appearance of Spider-Gwen? Both can be had for $17.50 on eBay. I'd much rather have the ASM 31. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to see Okay, I've, I've had both. Um, and... Uh, I still, I actually sold the ASM 31 and I still have the Edge of Spider-Verse number two. It's, it's a tough question because it really falls to what you're collecting and what's important to you. Is a, Are you a collector that focuses on the history of Spider-Man, the early history and, and their spider, you know, Gwen Stacy is, is integral to that early history. The first, you know, 50 issues of Spider-Man really focuses on on her story and, and, and uh, Parker? Or are you more of a, you know, a more neo-Spider-Man and focusing more on the, what's happened after the ultimate fallout, the death of uh, Peter Parker and, uh, you know, quote unquote, and the rise of Miles Morales and other spider characters? You know, there's a variety of other spider characters because of the Spider-Verse. Uh even though I grew up, you know, back in the day when when ASM thirty one was important, uh, I I gravitate towards uh, Spider Gwen and uh, the characters from from this newer generation. And that's just me. That's my collection. My collection differs from every other person on this planet. But that's what I focus on. What about you, John? I'm gonna be really crazy and say they're not the same character. They're not. Yeah. No, they, yeah. they share a name, but Gwen Stacy of the Silver Age into the Bronze Age is a very different character than Spider-Gwen. Uh, Gwen Stacy was the perpetual damsel in distress who constantly needed to be saved, you know, blamed Spider-Man for the death of her father, Captain Stacy, and got killed by the Green Goblin. And that was the end of it, you know, until the clone came in. But then, you know, that's a whole nother mess. Uh, Spider-Gwen is her own person. Spider-Gwen is her uh -huh. own hero. Spider-Gwen is confident. Sp I can never imagine Gwen Stacy from Peter Parker's Spider-Man being Spider-Gwen. 
it, the Gwen Stacy I know would go, ew, spiders, webs, gross. <laughs> You're right about that. They're, they, are def they are definitely different people coming from different universes, and they, they do deserve their own unique history and unique storytelling. So that's a long-winded way of saying, I think it depends on your age group. I think if you're younger and into the more recent stuff, like Richard, who's much younger than me, uh, I think you're into that. Spider-Gwen, if you are an old fart like myself and you, Peter Parker is Spider-Man and all this other stuff is just fun ancillary stuff, you would go with ASM 31. Uh, are we talking scarcity? Then it's a different conversation. It was printed in 2011. And uh, the odds of the book being high grade are much higher than high grade in ASM 31. Yeah. Um, the print run was probably, uh, you know, it survived in better state than, than ASM 31. So, yeah, that's a good question. If you're looking at the, you know, if you're looking at the, the uh, no, actually, he can't be looking at the Greg Land because he said 1750 for the price. So he's got to be looking at the A cover. Greg Land, Greg Horn, I get them so confused. Uh, <laughs> all I yeah. know is they both love to trace uh, photos. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So he's talking. He's talking about the A cover. Um, the if you go get into variants, then that's a whole other story because yeah. there are a number of variants of Edge of Spider Verse, and they all have different values that go up from the the A cover. Yeah. So to answer your question, depends on who you are. How's that dope? Yep. Uh, Everybody's connection is a snowflake. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Our next piece of your mail is from Adam Hoffbauer, who emailed us at bronzemoderngods at gmail.com. Hey, guys. Love the channel. Thank you. Uh, thought you guys would be a good place for info on next steps for selling a significant legacy collection. After decades of collecting, my dad is finally ready to start selling his collection, which includes full runs and major and minor keys from the 50s to the modern era. My family is planning on setting up an LLC to handle it all as a formal business, write off expenses, and manage capital gains taxes. Wow. <laughs> love your feedback on what we might want to look out for. Well, Adam... I think we can make this very, very easy for you. Just sell it to Richard and I. Problem solved. <laughs> we, will you, we will be happy to pay 10% of what the Overstreet Price Guide from 1985 uh, values those books. We'll be happy. We'll, we'll go up. We know we like you, Adam, because you like the show. We'll go to 20%. Wow, John, you're uh, such a benefactor. No, yeah. seriously, but seriously, folks. <laughs> Adam, it sounds like you're on top of it, man. Yeah, yeah I seriously. I don't think there's much more we can tell you. It sounds like you remind me of my heroine, Susie Orman. Uh, it's been a while since you've mentioned her. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had a Susie Orman, but he's got, he's got the right idea. You know, he's going to uh, set it up as a business and write off the bags mm -hmm. and boards, the pressing, if he's getting mm -hmm. pressed. That's a writable. I would say that's a that's a deductible expense. But not only that. I mean, if if you're doing it that way, you can approach people like Heritage or Comic Link and write off the fees that those companies charge, which are significant, and yeah. have a you know a huge audience for those those uh, blue book keys that you may have. My advice to you, Adam, with the very beginning, the basics: get a list, make an Excel spreadsheet, alphabetical order of everything you have, every issue. Uh, you write from A to Z with an estimated grade. If you don't know how to grade, start reading up. We have a video on how to grade. Uh, if you go through our archives and be honest, you know, with yourself and with your father, when you're grading stuff, you know, cause when it's your personal collection, it's like, it's 
It's a 9-6. Oh, it's a 9-0. Dude, look at those corners. Be brutal. Uh, underestimate. It's better to be surprised at the end. And then take that list to some reputable auction houses. You know, your Comic Link, your, your Comic Connect. You might even want to go with some of the big guns like Metropolis Comics, Superworld, and see what they say. See what they say. But you're kind of like me, Adam. It sounds like you want to do it yourself and maximize your profits. Find a good presser that you trust, press them all, uh, get them slabbed. Don't do the raw route. If this is a long tail game you're playing, which it should be because you got time, I'm assuming, play the long game. Don't don't go for short gains or, as I said, sell it all to me. <laughs> no, I'm with you, totally with you on that last part. I mean, he's doing it right. He's got the taxes taken care of. He's got expenses taken care of. If you've got the time, Get those books pressed, get them slabbed right off the expense of both. And uh, you can maximize the amount of money that you can get because they, those books will be graded and there will be a, um, a known quantity as opposed to how raws are handled. And they're a little bit softer in terms of their value. So especially, you know, if you got if you got uh, high end books from the 50s and 60s, um, you want to sell those graded just, just because you will. You, there's thousands of dollars difference between a raw book and a graded book because people people are afraid of things like rest restoration or rest resuscitated staples or there's a variety of things that can really affect the value of a book that grading kind of quantifies it's going to protect you it's going to protect the buyer right so there you should absolutely do that and uh let us know how it goes follow yeah. up We're yeah curious. yeah and you know it's going to be interesting a journey for your father um because there's sure there's going to be a lot of memories tied up with those with those books. So, you know, be be a little sensitive to that also, you know, to realize that this is something that means something to him as well. Oh, that's true. I'm so mercenary. I forget about <laughs> I forget about empathy and emotions sometimes. You're right. You're right. And hey, take a quick iPhone video for us. We'd love to see it and share it with everybody if you're comfortable with that, because I, I love stories like this. Uh -huh. All right. What's your next piece of viewer mail there? My next piece of mail is from uh, Krypton, sorry, Kryptonite Rocks. Uh, Lorna or Polaris is also the daughter of Magneto, so she is indeed a huge character. Is she the daughter of Magneto, though? I thought that was. Debunked. Was that disputed? I think that was debunked, but okay, you guys will tell us in the comments. <laughs> I loved her in the Wolverine and the X Men animated series. Two strangle books that are gorgeous in any collection, and especially the 50, it's one of my favorite X-Men covers. Yeah, this is in re uh, response to my pick for uh, X-Men 49 as uh, being undervalued because it's, you know, it hides in the, sh the, the shade of X-Men 50. Yeah, Strangle, you know, Strangle is, is just uh, a force. You know, when he hits, he hits hard. Some of his covers I'm not necessarily a fan of. But some of the Hulk covers, these X-Men covers, they really hit the park, uh, hit it out of the park. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's I, I would love to see um, Polaris show up in one of the MCU properties. You know, we've already got a crowded <laughs> list of people who we want to show up. And uh, there's only so many they can squeeze in. But I think it would be an interesting character. But yeah, I get Magneto in there first, obviously. You know, I thought about it after our last episode and I came to the conclusion Polaris is underused and underutilized because she's not unique. We have Magneto. 
Yeah. We have someone, we, we have a master of magnetism. Do we need a mistress of magnetism? Yeah. You know, I, I, so it's kind of, kind of like, uh, what, what is unique about her besides right. her green hair? You never stopped Batman and Batgirl. Yeah. But Batgirl, you know, she was a librarian. Then she was a Congresswoman. <laughs> her dad was commissioner <laughs> Gordon. I mean, there, there were care. What's the character peg for right. Luna Dane? She's in love with Alex Summers. Okay, great. So it's another female character defined by her relationship with the man. Sorry. <laughs> another X-Men defined by her relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I do like her, but that's probably why we don't see a lot of her being used. Uh, they, yeah. they probably need to revamp her powers in some way, some sort of secondary mutation or something. Somebody much more creative than me. Yeah. You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll see something like that. The nice thing about the MCU and the multiverse, they are not tied down to the comic book canon. They can experiment and alter things to fit the kind of story they want to tell. So who knows? Indeed. All right. My last piece of your mail is I did not write down who this is from. My apologies, but it actually came to us on uh, Facebook, Facebook Messenger. Just wondering if you guys use or have ever used collectible insurance to cover your books and what your thoughts on it are. Thanks. No. <laughs> That's my answer. I, I should. I really, I'm sure I'm going to have the same answer that Richard has. I really should because there's some money there and it's not necessarily covered by your homeowner's insurance. No, it's not. I've actually contacted my uh, insurance agent. Uh, I'm a State Farm customer. And, uh, yeah, they do not itemize ex collectibles. Um, so you will not get back the value of, of what you've invested. So I went to, I went through the whole process of, of starting to look at some third party insurance companies that specialize in collectibles. And, um, they ask, ask you to give an estimate of the value of your collection and, you know, as a starter place to get an idea of what your premium is going to be. And at the time, my collection was going to have a, going to have a premium of about $500 a year, mm -hmm. which, you know, it's, it's not bad. You know, you pay $500 for the, for the comfort of if there's, a, if there's a, a, you know, a water leak in your house, theft. You know, there's a whole variety of things that can affect, the, you know, comic books and their value. And you'd be covered. And do, do you think I actually went through with it? It was one of those things. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And you know, the next thing I know, my collection's value has grown significantly, and I'm going to have to go through the whole process again. But it's it's definitely. I feel once your collection gets above uh, a certain dollar value, and that has to be something that you determine. Where where is the pain point that if everything got destroyed, um, you would you would feel the loss financially. Um, once you've reached that pain point, then you need to start looking at some way of protecting the value of those books and insurance is one of the best ways. Uh, first of all, I have to give the credit to, uh, the person that asked this question. I found his name, James Carnes. Thank you, James. Uh, there are some options out there. Uh, collect insure is a company, uh, that does this, uh, specifically Markel insurance offers this insurance and a company called American collectors. I will have links in the description below. If you will, so want to uh, investigate those. And I have to wonder, okay, let's say I have my, my comics in the basement uh, and there's a flood and there's water damage, Richard, and you make a claim and they pay out your claim and everything's on the up and up. Do they keep your books? 
do you get to try to sell the water damage books on top of that? <laughs> That's a good question. Not only that, you know, given the way the market's been recently, let's say it's based on the, the estimated value of co your collection. Let's say your collection is valued at a flat $100,000. So you pay a, a, you pay a fee based on $100,000. Six months later, eight months later, that $100,000 is now $175,000, $200,000. Uh, and there's some incident. And they have to pay out. Do they pay out at the hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, you know, and you know, so there's 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 some considerable questions that go along with this whole process. You have your Dark Hawk number one nine point eight insured for two hundred dollars. Then the movie's announced, and all of a sudden it's a fifteen hundred dollar book, along with your Sleepwalker number one and your Quasar number fifty. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll stop. All right, it is time to fire up that modem. Get on America Online and check out the Comic NFT Watch. This week, we had two new drops happen. Fantastic Four number 13, first appearance of the Red Ghost and his Super Apes. Oh, yeah, and the Watcher. Uh, and Daredevil number one, the first appearance of Foggy Nelson and Karen Page and Daredevil. Uh, again, nice to see a couple of keys happening as opposed to things like Immortal Hulk number one. Uh, Richard, I saw FF13 and I got excited for you. Yeah. Oh, it's it's Fantastic Four. It's early Fantastic Four. You know I was in. Yep. These are the first two Marvel NFTs to have exclusive cover variants that are exclusive to Vivi. That's kind of a neat thing. Uh, yes. I, I feel for the first time they have brought a unique value to the system. So are they comic books yet? All right. I, uh, no, but, all right. Meanwhile, <laughs> prices are in flux. They went down. They went back up a bit again. It seems like the market is settling a little bit. It looks like these things are finally finding their level. Uh, we'll see what happens as more and more new people come into the platform. But right mm -hmm. now, the crazy... Uh, secret rare prices have seemed to calm down. The commons have calmed down a bit. Marvel Comics number one has gone from 80 gems down to about 54, 55. So I thought that was interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I still think we're, we're, it's, it's early. I still think we have, um, we have a while until we hit that critical mass of books out there. And, and uh, we have enough data for people to feel confident to judge and gauge the value of some of these things. So let's, you know, I'm going to hold out until after Christmas to see if, because I still think the market is going to fluctuate more. Um, we're going to, we're going to have more big books though. You know, we've got daredevil uh, coming up and that's going to be, I think a big, a big, big um, uh, seller. I, I'm kind of bummed. I didn't sell my immortal Hulk number one secret rare when it was three, 3.5 thousand gems now it's down to about 1.2 k uh, um there were you know there was another sale of a what if uh secret rare this week on ebay for 2000 cash that was interesting but meanwhile dc have started actually delivering their first nfts to those people who registered for dc fandom uh, much like getting badges for San Diego Comic-Con, you're taken to a waiting room, then you're sent to a different room to claim yours. Your wait time is about an hour, people are discovering. And then after you wait an hour, you've got 15 minutes to complete the claiming process. I have seen two people so far on Instagram actually claimed and gotten their NFTs. They are ugly as sin. 
<laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so those are the actual pictures of the, I thought they were a placeholder. They are not. They actually look like floppy disks from the nineties. And yeah, I, 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 what are they thinking? They have, they have a wealth of, of subject matter and art at their, at their beck and call. I get it. You know, it's retro. It's it's not for us, maybe. Uh, so so when do floppy disks tie into the millennials? If you're a millennial, it's funny. You know, it's like it's like looking at, you know, uh, the old floppy disk icon and going, what is that thing supposed to be? Uh, and yeah, I I. I kind of get it i just hate it I, I i don't get it at all I, at least for the marvel the vv stuff i understand the concept you're taking yeah. a comic book you're making a digital version of it i get it on a visceral level F you know floppy disks with you know wonder woman's face on it really that's something that people find value I, that it just perplexes me but richard it's in 3d and you can spin it around um i it really looks like it was made by someone who thought this is what NFTs are. We'll just make it 3D-ish and make it look retro and 8-bit and, and cool and nah, boo. Uh, hey, John, I just signed up for DC Fandome. I registered. I haven't gotten my email yet. Neither have I. Neither has Richard. That's because they are sending these out between now and when Fandome begins, which is October 16th even throughout Fandome, which I believe is going to be three or four days. So you've got potentially another two weeks to get your link to claim. I'm not sure why the rollout is so slow and staggered like this. Maybe their servers can't handle it or the company they're working with sold them on this idea of, you know, Heinz ketchup anticipation. I don't get it. It's, it's, it again is perplexing to me. They have, they are, they are in control of when these are given out, unlike Marvel and their, you know, their purchase process. So they, I, I don't know. Hey, I, we do not enjoy picking on DC. I just no. wish they would stop making it so damn easy. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I, I pick because I think, I think they have such an opportunity here. Um, you know, Marvel has proven that this, this is a moneymaker. This is something the fans actually want. So why why don't they at, at the least emulate what Marvel is doing today? I have to wonder if they're saving that approach for revenue because these are free. This is a loss leader to get you in the door to Fandome and to get your email and to get your contact info and your birth date and everything else they asked you for when you registered. So I don't, you know, while these are the first official dc nfts this may not be where they're heading gosh i hope not i hope there's a strategy here i would i would think a, a big powerful company like warner media would have a strategy yeah yeah there there is a strategy i'm sure there is um it's just uh, i i see them squandering a perfect opportunity to uh catch up to where marvel is or even take a look at what's you know the challenges they've had and sidestep those and improve upon the process so I, I I don't see this I don't see these these free NFTs having the same value as what the VV is offering as a product you know that's that is a, a saleable product uh, but you know it's I'm I'm what I'm trying to be positive about it I'm thinking okay this is DC testing the waters testing their infrastructure to see how how well it handles the thousands of people who have signed up already for the free one 
Uh, and if, if that's, if that's their method, then I think it's a great method because uh, a lot of these things fall flat because their infrastructure can't handle the load of the fan. So we'll very see. true. I, uh, speaking of VV as a product, they had their first uh, NFT as a utility drop this week. And by that, I mean, it is a non-comic related NFT that gives the uh, purchaser something physical in return. Uh, which is the James Bond 007 uh, ticket NFT. There were only seven made, 007, get it? And there were 150 each. And each purchase came with seven tickets to go see the new James Bond film at any AMC theater in the United States. So it was US only purchasers and you you got seven tickets. I think that's interesting. I, I, I don't get why they limited to just seven, I guess, to make a story. But... Uh, NFTs as a utility, there's the future, folks. I, I, like I, I've said over and over again, we are at the, the beginning of this whole process, and people will find different ways of adding value to these things. Uh, you know, in this case, it's, you know, go see the movie that, that the ticket is based on. You know, in the future, it may be, uh, you know, exclusive comic books that are only available to people who hold the, the, um, the NFT. We don't know. I, when I think... These companies are feeling them, feeling out the market and feeling out the process, and it's going to take a while for things to settle down. Uh, be an early adopter, and 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 you know it could pay off. Um, so you know that's that's kind of why I'm I'm buying into this at this point. You're we're going to be along the ride with you and keeping you informed. So make sure you stick around here. No IG Market Watch this week. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Ali is at New York City Comic Con. He will be there all weekend. Make sure you go up to him and say hi. That's really going to wrap it up for this bonus episode, Richard. Everybody has, please sign up uh, for Instagram and Facebook and follow us or go to our website at brownsandmoderngods.com and send us an email and, and let us know uh, what you think about the show. We love hearing from you guys, so keep it coming, all right? And we will see you on Monday. Yep, everybody stay safe. Bye.